Well, it's Monday, July the 19th, the year of our Lord, 2021. This is Raheem Kassam coming at you live from Washington, D.C. for my sins. Joined in studio by none other than... What's your name again? Natalie Winters is in the house. Finally, both back in the... uh, in the saddle here after a couple of weeks of uh, R&R. Although we have still been researching and writing. Those are two other R's, right? R and W. Um, and I want to say a great big thank you to everybody who has been incredibly helpful over the last couple of weeks, helping us navigate some treacherous waters over here. And to all of those out there who have been joining up and contributing in the last couple of weeks we'll get to you and read out some of your names later on in this show but I suppose we have quite a lot to talk about today not least because you know I leave town Natalie for you know what 10 days or something feels like everything just goes to hell everything's just gone crazy nobody seems to know what's going on There's a lot. There's a lot going on. And um, we'll get into some of it right now. I think where I want to start off, Natalie, today is on the story we put up this morning. That is on the nationalpulse.com, ladies and gentlemen. Make sure you go and check it out. Natalie, one of the key themes that is emerging off the back of this latest FEC uh, report is just how many members of Congress and how many people close to the Biden regime... Um, you know, are not just philosophically sympathetic to the Chinese Communist Party. They are financially, uh, I won't even say sympathetic, they are financially simps of the Chinese Communist Party. And uh, we have another one of those stories up today. And it really, really resonated with me when I was editing this and publishing it this morning. Um, This is a person who is not just on a number of different national security related committees, uh, but is also a well-known protege of that, uh, those bastions of morality, the Clintons. So Natalie, tell us about Congressman Josh Gottheimer. Yes, so Josh Gottheimer, uh, in the words of the Clinton family, is, quote, something of a family member. Uh, and he's kind of a, a rising star, I would say, in democratic politics. He's hailed as a kind of bipartisan type individual, a little more moderate. But uh, his bank account, which you can see from his financial records, again, not Russian conspiracy, all available with, uh, you know, FEC database type uh, filings. You can see that he has investments in nearly, or at least, rather, six Six Chinese Communist Party linked entities. And I don't just mean linked lightly. Uh, One of the firms, which really stood out to me when I was reading through his, I think it's a 60 page financial disclosure, which Mm. tells you about all you need to know about this uh, individual. Uh, But one of the firms is actually China Mobile. And it might sound, you know, unassuming, oh, just a, a telephone company, but believe it or not, for over two decades, this company, according to the U.S. Department of Defense, uh, has actually collaborated with the People's Liberation Army. Uh, among the other companies are a couple of ETFs. Uh, I'm not much of an investment person, but it means you have kind of stock in a variety of companies. And a lot of these uh, yeah. are really kind of headquartered and based with Chinese Communist Party linked companies such as Tencent, which has, of course, been flagged by the U.S. State Department as a, quote, tool of the Chinese government. Uh, if you read the article, you can see some other pretty scary quotes, something that I would want uh, none of my money or investments, anything near. Uh, but I think what's so concerning about this, not only is that just he's a high profile Democrat, and as you said, he serves on two national security related committees. One is the House Financial Services committee which he sits on and it's national security international development and monetary policy subcommittee but he's also on the house homeland security committee and the this you know financial ties that we we uncovered this also comes amidst kind of a months-long back and forth between various levels in the federal government and wall street uh, and lobbyists in terms of the delisting of certain chinese communist party owned and operated uh, companies particularly those with military links and i really think that this is just a deeply metaphorical and telling story that you have someone who in Congress, a Democratic member who has the ability 
to delist Chinese Communist Party-linked companies, Chinese military-linked companies, uh, and instead of doing that, he's invested in them multiple times for multiple years. And he's not the only one uh, up to no good in this regard. We had another one out um, last week about um, Congressman Peter Welch, who's done you know something similar there. Welch being, I mean, probably probably best known, um, pretty, uh, I would say, anonymous guy, really, but probably best known for being a hardliner on the Trump-Russia collusion investigations, right? He called for a, quote, uh, full-scale, no-holds-barred investigation into the non-existent links between the Trump 2016 campaign and the Russian government. But he himself is invested uh, in several Chinese Communist Party-owned companies. So let me let us advance the issue here, because I think sometimes we come at this from different angles, and there are all these sort of different narratives, but they're all in their own stacks. I'm going to go one further here and say that actually... Uh, if you investigate the people who were at the forefront of the Trump-Russia fake news collusion narratives, and that includes everybody at CNN uh, and all the people that they've had on and all of these uh, Democratic representatives, I would say that the, the projection here is, is, is palpable, and it's projection about their own links with a foreign government, that foreign government being the Chinese Communist Party. So tell us about Peter Welsh, if you can. Uh, sure. You, you summarized it you know, quite quite beautifully in the sense that he was one of the top voices on the Russia collusion scandal. He posted a video to his, his YouTube channel and he tweeted it out multiple times uh, where, as you said, he calls for a full scale, no holds barred investigation. And, and for you know minutes, he goes on, he's on the House floor screaming about how he knows the Trump campaign is in bed with Russia and it's you know our duty to the American citizens to get to the bottom of this. Uh, and, and meanwhile, uh, and what I think is particularly telling about uh, Welch, and uh, similar with Gottheimer too, but he purchased these shares in 2019. So it's not like he, you know, bought these many, many, many years ago, which I would still argue the Chinese Communist Party was still very, very bad, you know, even a, d a decade ago. Right. Uh, but that's very recent. Uh, you know, that's kind of approaching the onset of the pandemic. Uh, so I think that that's just particularly egregious with the case of him. Uh, but again, these are two ETFs. One of them is the Crane Shares Bocera MSCI China A ETF, and then the Crane Shares CSI China Internet ETF. Uh, the first one has a lot of links to, again, there's no such thing as really a private enterprise in China. We've talked about Article mm. 7 of China's national security law, which says that any company that is uh, allegedly privately owned can be requisitioned by the government to achieve really any goal that, that they deem necessary. I think I described it once. It's kind of, you know, every company in China is really a dormant state-owned enterprise just waiting to be flipped on. Uh, but beyond that, which again, I don't even think we should be at a point where I say beyond that with regards to a Democratic congressman holding stock in a Chinese Communist Party linked ETF. But the other one, the CSI China Internet ETF, uh, a lot of those companies in there and read the article, you can see the various companies. Uh, but, you know, those are companies that routinely censor you know, Chinese people at the, the demands of the, the Chinese government. Granted, now we're seeing that a lot of American tech companies do that too. And make no mistake, uh, you know, every congressman, it seems to be, I've read a lot of their financial disclosures, are also invested pretty heavily uh, in these big tech companies. Uh, but I also think that it's pretty hypocritical uh, to see someone like Peter Welch investing uh, in these Chinese tech companies that are routinely censoring dissidents and, and activists. And I think I would just add very quickly uh, that this investment in Chinese Communist Party-linked entities uh, is not an anomaly. Uh, a few months back, we had a story about the Knight Foundation, uh, which I'll do my best to describe in brief, because I think we could probably do a five-hour podcast on the evils of the Knight Foundation. But And we will. <laughs> we will, yes. Uh, but it's kind of a, a really, it's... Uh, for lack of a better word, it's this George Soros link that collaborates with the Open Society Foundations, but their really main push is to partner with these so-called fact-checkers, fact-checking organizations. They're very involved in kind of the Facebook grift of fact-checkers. But what's really interesting about the Knight Foundation uh, is that they are also pretty heavily invested uh, in in what are called IDG Excel China Capital 2 and IDG Excel China Growth 3, which these are again, multi-million dollar stakes that their financial disclosures reveal uh, that they have investments in. And again, there's the Tencent links there. Uh, but what I think is particularly funny about the Knight Foundation, and this was written a long time ago, so I want to get, get it right, but they were invested, they've, they've retained investments with a private equity fund called Russia 
partners. Mm. And my favorite part about this, because again, the Knight Foundation was kind of top dog and running these Russia collusion hope type, you know, conspiracy theories about the Trump campaign. Um, they actually praise Vladimir Putin on their website and they talk about uh on, on the website for Russia Partners, they say they, quote, have established ties with many of today's business and government leaders in Russia. So you quite literally see, you know, the, the fact, the top funding agency of fact checkers, along with multiple Democratic congressmen, and believe me, there'll be more on that, uh, quite literally, you know, being in bed with the Chinese Communist Party. I feel like we say that so much that we right. don't do it justice. But this is really, you know, in your face, uh, unequivocally, they have financial sizable financial stakes in Chinese Communist Party-run uh, investment firms, so I won't be holding my breath for those people to ban investment in them. Thank you, Mr. Speaker. After only 24 days in office, President Trump's national security advisor, Michael Flynn, resigned in disgrace. Why? He had direct contact with the Russian ambassador, assuring him, in likely violation of U.S. law, that the Obama sanctions against Russia would be reversed. And then he lied about it. And there is evidence of Trump campaign officials having regular contact with Russian officials. And we know Russia hacked into DNC files and doled out stolen information with the goal of aiding the Trump campaign. So the question is, what is the Russian connection? Congress must do its job. We should conduct a full-scale, no-holds-barred investigation of the links between the Trump campaign and Russian officials. There is a mountain of evidence we cannot ignore. The American people have a right to know, of course. But even more importantly, the enduring strength of our democracy is being tested. Congress must maintain our constitutional protection of checks and balances. Investigate now. Investigate fully. I yield back. Well, since you've yielded back, uh, Congressman Welch, thank I you. will take the yeah, thank you. Take the rest of the time here, um, the allotted time to um, say I agree that there should be a full investigation. And there was an investigation. There were multiple investigations into Trump and Russia collusion. There was obviously the FBI investigation and the Mueller report. And then there's all the other alphabet agencies. There was the media's investigations. There was the congressional investigations and, and, and so on and so on and so on, right? found nothing, found nothing. Almost every premise you heard there from Welch about Russian ties and General Flynn and all of that were outright lies. And they were not just outright lies, but they were actually um, foreign disinformation themselves. So now let's have an investigation into Peter Welch. And let's have an investigation into Gottheimer. And let's have an investigation into the Knight Foundation. And let's have an investigation into all of these entities that are in bed with the Chinese Communist Party or are invested with the Chinese Communist Party, whose political careers, whose financial security is tied to the rise of a hostile power. So you had yours from 2016 onwards. You had yours right up until 2020, and in some cases, you're still banging on about it. Now it's our turn. So I don't want you to give anything necessarily away here, Natalie, but I, but I do know that in the last couple of weeks, at least myself, I have heard from a lot of people on Capitol Hill, people who work on Capitol Hill and who have started to discover our reporting. I think it is becoming, uh, we are becoming rather well understood here for what we do and how reliable we are. In the last couple of weeks, we are um, more linked back to by, you know, big corporate news outlets than ever before. Not that I care, but I'm just saying people are noticing things coming out of this office. Call it an office loosely. <laughs> <laughs> out of this tent that we have here on Capitol Hill. Um, so, so, I mean, are you having similar conversations? Are you noticing similar things about, about how people now may want to politically... Um, I, I hate using the word weaponized because it's not right. It sounds aggressive, but this w politically um, um, leverage the information that we have been publishing uh, on Capitol Hill. I think so. Uh, I've been getting a lot of emails from even staffers uh, from elected officials, Welch and Gottheimer's colleagues, wanting to to talk about not just with regards to the Chinese Communist Party 
financial links of, you know, sitting members of Congress. And of course, this dovetails with the extensive reporting we've done on the ties between the Biden regime and really every aspect of the Chinese government. But also, too, just it feels like forever ago that we are talking about, you know, NIH and Fauci mm. in the Wuhan lab. But I, I haven't forgotten. But a lot we'll of people. Oh, yes. Uh, but a lot of people are also really interested in that because I think that the, the NIH and their kind of sellout uh, to the Chinese Communist Party particularly the collaboration on research is really, I think, the most kind of in-your-face example that we've seen of this Chinese Communist Party compromise or just what what it really is, is it starts out as collaboration, but it inevitably turns into compromise. And I think people are kind of starting to to pick up on what kind of my general thesis has been with regards to the, the rise of China, more precisely the rise of the Chinese Communist Party, but that's, you know, when, when Joe Biden in 2011 was running around the world, uh, even China, and saying and writing op-eds for the New York Times saying, quote, China's rise isn't our demise. He wasn't talking about America when he was saying our, O-U-R. Right. He was talking about the, you know, permanent political class, the American elites, these Democrat officials, these establishment Republican officials uh, who really have used the Chinese Communist Party to get ahead. And I think mm. that the story about, you know, the bank accounts and the financial disclosures is, again, one of this kind of in-your-face examples where it's too hard to ignore. But I think that there's a lot more nuance to that whole kind of critique uh, of the American elite. And I think people are starting to listen, uh, because I think that with with the Biden regime and how they're handling China, when you see these you know Chinese state-run media outlets outright you know threatening America now because they feel enabled to, uh, I think people are kind of understanding the the really the threat that not the threats but the kind of danger and the risk of Chinese Communist Party compromise. It's not just something we rail about in the basement here; it has real life impacts. It's a tent. <laughs> um, so on that note, I don't know if you've heard this clip from Joe Biden today yet, Probably um, not. but I would, uh, I would like to play it to you. It's a little hard to make out, ladies and gentlemen, but uh, just, just try anything that's not particularly clear. We'll, uh, we'll try and clarify here, but I'm going to tr- play this clip for you, Natalie. Mr. President, I'm China and cyber hacking. She jumps up before you do. Effectively, your administration is naming and shaming China, but no sanctions. Why? And is that effective enough? They're still determining exactly what happened. The investigation is not finished. Thank you all very much. What is your understanding of the biggest difference between what they've done versus what Russia's done in terms of cyber attack? That'd take a longer explanation. We have all the time in the world. No, we don't. I have to go see the King of Jordan. To the best of my knowledge, and I'm getting a report tomorrow morning on this, a detailed report, my understanding is that the Chinese government, not unlike the Russian government, is not doing this themselves, but are protecting those who are doing it, and maybe even accommodating them being able to do it. That may be the difference. Thank you. Well, there's there's an awful lot to to unpack there, because um, not only is that particularly... Uh, hypocritical approach to this issue, given how quickly everybody jumps to say Russian hackers and Russian collusion and Russian government and Vladimir Putin and all of that, um, but you did actually get some some tough questions from the media there, which is which is a sea change, and it's a sea change that I think has been brought about by the skepticism uh, from within the general public and indeed from reporting like that of Natalie Winters into the links between the Biden regime and uh, the CCP's regime. So let's just start there. He's asked very simply, you know, you're pointing fingers at China for hacking attempts. Uh, frankly, I think we're so far behind on this conversation because it's not just hacking attempts that we need to be concerned about. Um, they're already in most American smartphones via things like TikTok, which, as we know, are, are you know, PLA assets. Um, they are in your social media uh, apps uh, writ large, even Silicon Valley ones, they're partners with Google. We know that Google is reading people's Google Docs now, by the way. Um, we, no. Yeah, oh yeah, all those love letters you've been writing me, they know about all of them. And I don't yeah. know why you do it in Google Sheets instead of Docs. <laughs> That's the weirdest thing about them, like tallying up. Um, no, look, they, they're in the... Um, they're in the... Um, uh, the, the, the apps on your smartphone. But they've also got... Um, fact checkers who work for TikTok 
our good old buddy Alan Duke, for example. Hi, Alan. Hello, Alan. Um, <laughs> at um, who are working for the Chinese Communist Party effectively via their organizations, who are also then working for Facebook. Then Jen Psaki goes on television and effectively brags that the Biden regime is lobbying for people to be removed from social media platforms. There is no difference between these two now. There is no moral difference between the Biden regime and Xi Jinping's regime. And I truly believe that. And I believe it not least because of the face that Joe Biden made during what he just said there. So ladies and gentlemen, I've tweeted this out earlier today. Uh, I'll put it on Getter and all of the rest as well. But go and look at his face when he's answering these questions because he smirks. He like evidently smirks when he's asked the question, why aren't you sanctioning uh, the Chinese government when you say they're doing the same things as the Russian government and you always demand sanctions on the Russian government? And then he turns around and he goes, well, of course, you know, we don't really know yet. And they may just be protecting hackers, uh, not actually be the hackers themselves. There's, there's no distinguishable difference in policy when they're dealing with that same thing and Russia, whether it's the Russian government hacking or whether it's the Russian government sponsoring somebody to hack or whether it's the Russian government protecting somebody who hacks. Stop me if I'm boring you here. No, it's riveting. (laughs) She always, when I go on a rant, ladies and gentlemen, she just like gets her laptop out and starts like scrolling. Yes, (laughs) scrolling through like Taylor Swift albums. Um, But, um, but do you see what I mean? He's, he's trying to make a moral distinction or even a strategic distinction here. But I think we both know what's true is that the difference between the Biden regime's response to Russia and the Biden regime's response to China is that the Biden regime is in the pocket of the Chinese Communist Party. Well, ex- exactly. Most of the time when you go on rants, it's because I'm listening to what you're saying and pulling up all of our old stories. I know. That I, just, I, like to, I like to give you a hard time. <laughs> well, yeah. It's been a while. That is true. It's so, been it's been a really long time. Yeah, it's also been a long time since we did. I mean, extensive. Rep- I mean, we could have told you that this was going to happen, and frankly, I think we did. Yeah. Uh, you know, with regards to to the issue of cybersecurity and hacking, and that that's one issue that I find particularly just confusing as to why. Well, no, it's not confusing as to why it happens, but why everyone gets so up in arms and act, acts like, "Wow, how could this happen?" It's right. like, well, when all of the companies in the United States oh. that you know, our, whether it's Microsoft, or I like to focus on Microsoft because, fun fact, they actually create the operating system that the Chinese government uses. It's called Windows Government China Edition. Really? Li- literally. Wow. And it's like, wow, I, I wonder why you guys keep getting hacked. Mm. Maybe it's because you're giving them your algorithms and everything and you're in business with them and you have contracts with them and all they want at the end of the day is is money and they know that they're not going to bite the, you know, hidden hand or really not so hidden hand uh, that feeds them. But I think, you know, particularly it's kind of, you can go very, you know, fine grain detail with regards to who's advising Joe Biden on this. And I think with this kind of all, all roads lead to Jake Sullivan, who mm. is of course the national security advisor. And I bring him up because remember he was a former senior fellow at the Belfer Center. And what does the Belfer Center uh, like to do on weekends? They like to host Chinese Communist Party officials and former People Liberation Army generals to not just host events, which oh, I think, I think is, it's on weekdays, on weekends, it's, it's on, on bank holidays, on Christmas Day. They're, yeah, they're always there, probably there right now. Uh, but they like to hold basically symposiums on cybersecurity where they role play, quote, fictitious cyber scenarios. Uh, both sides work through a fictitious cyber scenario to discuss what their respective governments and companies would do in the face of third party cyber attack on critical infrastructure. Why would we be role-playing right. our response alongside the Chinese Communist Party, which overwhelmingly is responsible right. for issuing all of these attacks? And if you want to say, oh, well, it's not the Chinese government, it's private companies. As we explained previously, there's no such thing as a private company. But just just real quick. Uh, it's flirting with a rapist is what it's doing. Exactly. I mean, honestly, that is what's going on here. And and the, the problem to me is we lose sight of how like how horrendous that is. And that's why I use that analogy, because that's a horrendous analogy, right? But we lose sight of it because we think, oh, it's the government. It's the government. It's the government or it's foundations linked to the government or whatever. Yeah, but this is, this is the, the, um, look, what did Welch say there in that clip? It, It makes me sick to my stomach when these people say this in this, you know, they say it all breathy. They go, oh, democracy. (laughs) And by the way, Future National Pulse podcast will be in ASMR. Um, 
but but they always you know the integrity of our democracy and meanwhile what's really happening here in most cases is government actors or people who either came from government went to government or both government funds grants researchers um linked doctors virologists you know the whole works are compromising our democracy well and i think that this kind of echoes what we were talking about feels like forever ago but on on war room a few weeks back with the whole concept of elite merger of course kind of mm-hmm. jump-started by charlie munger's comments about how you know the chinese communist party was correct with, with regards to what they did to jack ma and alibaba and i think that this was another th- kind of relevant story and it was a supreme court advisor to joe biden you know not not an insignificant institution right. uh his his well name, i mean <laughs> yeah well again maybe that wasn't a joke yeah. uh his name is jack goldsmith um and he wrote an op-ed for the atlantic in 2020 and the thesis of it and i say the thesis because this quote comes from the little summary of it is China was correct uh, with regards to their monitoring and speech control and how they tackle not just social media platforms, but the internet writ large. And I think that this kind of goes back to, again, another one of our our central theses. I think it's, what's that? Yeah. Uh, Yeah, but it's also symposia and not symposiums. Okay. Okay. Noted. FYI. Uh, Write that in your little Google Docs. I will. but, you know, it's not hypocritical for these people to be in bed and in business with the Chinese government because I think at the end of the day, they kind of seek to emulate them and they're really envious of the, uh, not just the authority, but the authoritarian authority mm-hmm. and control that they control. have it's over. It's the control. Exactly. Yeah. So I, I think that this is the narrative that we're starting to tease out more and more uh, in that it's not just, you know, oh, ha, 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 Nike's so woke, uh, but they do business with the Chinese Communist Party. It's right. No, it's because Nike is at, you know, its executive level is totally has sold out to the kind of Marxist ideology that that's why they're totally okay being mm-hmm. in business with the Chinese Communist Party because what the Chinese Communist Party does to the Uyghurs, I think a lot of those people would be okay with doing to conservatives. And you've seen so huh. many companies... They've admitted Do it. it. Yeah. yeah. They admit it. The companies admit it, but now government has admitted it, right? Jen Psaki said it from the podium. Can you imagine if that was Kaylee McEnany saying from the podium in the White House press briefing room that we would like to take social media posts down from Democrats whose opinions we don't like? I mean, there probably would have been an, a, another siege on the White House, right, as a result of that. And yet... One of my greatest frustrations is that conservatives up and down this country don't actually take to the streets to peacefully protest. They're doing it more and more, but they don't really do it with the with the with the organization and the force of of, of the political left and how the political left does it. They don't have all the signs uh, that have been made. It's often you know it's often more more or less it's just you know homemade signs and and waving their flags and stuff. But there is you know the left has this. What is the what is it? I'm, I'm trying to I'm trying to. There's a word that I'm looking for that describes so well what how the left is. It's 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 kind of a yeah, they have a, a systematic approach to confronting power that they don't like. And we don't have a systematic approach to doing that. We have a very ad hoc approach to confronting power abuse and abuse of power that we don't like. And you see in their language, you see in the the brazenness of their bullshit, quite frankly, just how um, arrogant they are and how much they know that they can get away with this and it takes me on to the very next point uh, that we're going to bring up here and that is uh, you know another story that that may may have just like you may have skipped over it but people are starting to realize that if you go back and you look through uh, a lot of these people's backgrounds if you go like you do Natalie and listen to what these people say in their own words from their interviews and from their own statements they get so they get so bullshy. Um, behind the microphone when they know they're not going to be held to account, that they end up saying things like this. That you think have a viable and sufficiently um, ambitious integration agenda? And if so, what what is it? <laughs> <laughs> that, that laugh said a lot right there. Yeah. I mean, one, let me just, um, I, I'm definitely not an expert on uh, race relations internationally um and 
it's also hard to look at countries that didn't have, you know, large institutions of slavery and compare them to the United States. The answer is probably going to be surprising uh, that I'm going to give, which is if you want to see the most equal uh multiracial, it's not a democracy, (laughs) most equal multiracial country in our hemisphere, it would be Cuba. Cuba has the least inequality between black and white people of any place really in the hemisphere that's, uh, I mean, the Caribbean, most of the Caribbean, it's, it's hard to count because the white population in a lot of those countries is very, very small. They're countries run by black folks. But in places that are truly um, at least biracial countries, Cuba actually has the least inequality. And that's largely due to socialism, which I'm sure no one wants to hear. <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, what does that <laughs> what does that actually imply for imply for us? I mean, if you were if you're a candidate running and you want to have a, a genuine integration agenda, like what what might that look like? Like, what do you think could what the bloody hell did I just listen to? I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> and that's the end of the podcast. If you think my laugh is annoying, I think. Oh her no, laugh no, is no! Really can we? Can, yeah, can we? Can we? Okay. So first, just who was that? That is, even though she says she's not an expert on a international. Well, she's obviously not a bloody expert <laughs> yeah. on it. I mean, she, she just is, proved that she's the uh, the woman who's taking every American classroom by storm with her sixteen nineteen project, uh, the New York Times, very controversial initiative that alleges that, you know, America's founding was not only built entirely and solely on slavery, but that it was 1619 instead of 1776. Nicole Hannah-Jones. Yes. Spelled with a K. And let's, let's just each have a go at uh, an impression of her laugh. Here's mine. (laughs) That was too good. It was good? That was really good. All right. You forfeiting? Yeah. All right. Fine. I win. Um, (laughs) That was my impression. (laughs) Nicole Hannah-Jones, let's let's be very clear about what she said there. So this is from a Vox interview in 2019, which you've dug up. Lots of people now are following on from your reporting, the Daily Mail, Fox News, others. So congratulations. Um, Cuba has the least inequality between black and white people of any place really in the hemisphere, she says. That's her, that's her opening premise. Uh, that's, easily, that's easily poo-pooed. It has the least inequality... Because there's everybody has nothing, yeah. right? So it's very hard to have inequality when ain't nobody got shit, right? <laughs> like, exactly, right? Yeah. And 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 she and she does say to her to her credit, not that she knows she's saying this, but she does say that's largely due to socialism. Yeah. <laughs> so now, he's based, yeah, <laughs> exactly. Let's get her on. <laughs> I I think these people are so. I mean, this is so low IQ. I mean, this is just a really embarrassing take. Um, so it, you can kind of laugh at it, and then you realize this is the person who's in charge of changing classroom um, syllabus all around the country. But, but then I love this, like, the completely, like, contrary line that she, like, slides in there, which is, I mean, the Caribbean, most of the Caribbean, it's hard to count because the white population in a lot of those countries is very, very small. They're countries run by black folks. Well, hold on. I mean, then surely that means that there is massive inequality there and she should be like setting up shop there to combat that inequality and get more white people into government in the Caribbean. If she was honest about her motives, that's what she'd be doing. But no, effectively what she's done over the course of a paragraph there, five sentences, is told the world, I, I got to do this, how fucking stupid she is. And I'll put the explicit thing on the Apple podcast today. Right? And since I'm doing it, how fucking stupid she is, right? She's also told the world how much of a racist she is. She's also told the world accidentally that socialism makes everybody have nothing. This is some of the most inane garbage I've ever heard in my life. I was going to say in my adult life, but that's not even true. Because even Rugrats was smarter than this, right? Even Blue's Clues was better as a kid. Even Play Days for my British audience, if you remember was better and smarter and more astute than this. This is top-tier garbage. And and this is the kind of thing that had people gone back and looked at her complete and utter BS from back in 2019, 
we may not be in the situation we're in with Nicole Hannah-Jones in 2021. We may have been able to go, hang on, hang on, hang on. Listen to what crap this woman is speaking. Maybe we shouldn't let her near anywhere near a classroom. Well, there's something that she said in 2008. Oh, God. Also- <laughs> We're going to have a heart attack. <laughs> yeah, no, when, when I was listening, well, people have to understand, I listen to a lot of videos and podcasts and old clips that people go on, and I never know what I'm going to hear, you know? Right. And then every now and, and then- I bet you can't believe what you get to hear. Just imagine my response when I heard, or reaction when I heard that. And I think the, the best one ever is when uh, Patrice Cullors of Black Lives Matter uh, was like, yeah, I love it when people compare me to, uh, to Mao. That's awesome. I was like- Am I am I dreaming? Did this just happen? Right. You know, it's like these people because again, the, there's not so much in this case, but you know, when you when you watch them in settings that aren't you know hyper formal or they're not giving some you know keynote address, they kind of let it slip their true intentions and their true motives. Uh, and that I think is relevant in 2008 because she wrote a piece uh, titled "The Cuba We Don't Know." This was upon return. Uh, from a sort of journalism fellowship visit to Cuba. Uh, it wasn't sponsored by the, the Cuban government. It wasn't a China-United States Exchange Foundation type uh, trip. But nonetheless, uh, it might as well should have been because, uh, you know, the, the kind of narratives that she was pushing upon return really were, to call them what they were, praise of Cuba, praise the Cuban government. Um, and people should read the article. It's entitled Unearthed 1619 Project Founder Praised Cuba's, quote, Socialist Accomplishments Counts Education as, quote, Cornerstone of Revolution. And in that second part, I think, gets to what I think to me the bigger takeaway from this article is. But she talks about how in Cuba, education was how they kind of accomplished their revolution again her words not mine mm -hmm. and i think that if you track what's happening now with regards to the school system specifically 1619 project which i guess was kind of the the gateway drug uh for not the gateway drug for critical race theory but it was kind of the precursor to people becoming aware of how this this was a broader push to really remake uh the american education system to be let's call it what it is marxist and to indoctrinate children uh not just you know left-wing indoctrination but outright marxist indoctrination uh she explains in this piece you know they kind of look to cuba as a model for doing that whether it's you know biden advisors talking about how they view the chinese communist party as a model for censorship or nicole hannah jones who you know laughs oh ha 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 socialism uh talks about how cuba is kind of a, a role model for education these people will tell you who they are uh you know we don't have to write opinion pieces about them because you just have to listen to their kind of so, equivalent of opinion so if pieces. they're telling us who they are which they are um why are we not listening above my pay grade not getting another pay rise <laughs> no you probably should um check your tweets i just tweeted something at you Oh, and, no. and I want you to, no, I want you to read this out loud. This is real time, live. She's not seen this yet. Read it out loud for us. Yahoo News is citing the National, wait, okay. Wait, I was, let me restart. Yahoo News citing the National Pulse is a whole new reality I wasn't ready for. Did you, did you see this? But it's Fox. I know it's Fox's copy on Yahoo News, but it's still oh, they, there's still a there's still an editor at Yahoo News oh, who, who has to, to choose to put it? that up, which is extraordinary. Well, thank you to whoever yeah, did that. Thank you for creating. And, that, and by the way, ladies and gentlemen, the reason I put that up there just now and made Nasli <laughs> half read that on air. <laughs> read uh, uselessly. Uh, yeah, um, Reed is doing a lot of work in that sense, just like Office. Um, exactly. Um, the story is Nicole Hannah-Jones said Cuba is amongst most equal countries, and that's now running on Yahoo News exclusively because of Natalie Winter's research and reporting. And that brings me on to my next point, which is that if you want to support our work and get more news like that out there, it's really simple, and frankly, it's really cheap. It, you go to fundrealnews.com. That's our website, fundrealnews.com. It's a, It's a you know, side website of the National Pulse, and you just pick, you know, you can do $5 a month. For $5 a month, Natalie can have an acai I love acai <laughs> but, but no, it really is is so true, and I think we love to sit here and, and 
not complain because we're, we're justified, but about how, you know, we're doing the work that all these, you know, million dollar endowments should be funding right, at right, all these right. institutions. Right. Well, well, hold on. Why didn't Yahoo News have that story itself? Why didn't Fox News have that story itself? Don't Where's Breitbart, by the way? Teams? Right. We right. don't have a team. No. It's me and you. Yeah. yeah. I, don't, I don't even really do. I just look at your copy and go, you spelt these seven things wrong. No, and, <laughs> and in the last, in the last, I would say month, I, I don't, my uh, sense yeah. of time, it's two times speed, so it's a little off, but yeah. we've broken... Black Lives Matter right. saying that they like Mao. Black Lives Matter calling for the end of Israel. Right. Nicole Hannah-Jones, this whole socialism thing. Yep. Google's links to EcoHealth Alliance yep. and the Wuhan lab. Yep. All of these stories that have been aggregated by outlets, you know, that have yep. distribution and whole teams that we could only dream of. Yep. And it's not to pat ourselves on the back, no. but it's, you know, and I'm, it's not just- Honestly, to, I'm, sometimes I'm just talking about it to heckle them into doing it. Yeah, so you know? I think so get to point, work. they're not going to do it. So yeah. you might as well fund us. <laughs> no, seriously. Um, and fundrealnews.com um, is the website. And I'm um, incredibly grateful to everybody who has chipped in. I'm going to start reading some of the names out in just a second. But before we do that, uh, Natalie, is there anything else you think we need to we need to talk about today? Yes. Go on. How much time do I have? Whatever you want. I mean, it's your show. I'm just producing <laughs> no, it at this no. point. <laughs> By the way, I have to I have to say, Uh-oh. you said on Twitter when I, a couple episodes back, yeah. I put in the title, Feet Natalie Winters, and then you quote tweeted me and you were like, you don't have to say featuring because you're a co-host. Yeah. But then you titled another episode and you put featuring Natalie Winters in the title. Well, so I'm always, so. I'm always just, um, I'm always cognizant of giving you the requisite respect on the thing. Like for instance, um, I was talking to somebody earlier on today about our, uh, one of our speaking trips that we're going to be going out on. And I'll talk oh, about yeah. that. I'll talk about that in a second as well. I think, in fact, let's talk about it now, just okay. before we move on to the next it's topic. Relevant. It's relevant. Trips. Um, yeah. I, I'll, I'll put it this way. Uh, I, I think, um, I think it probably bodes, bodes, me saying this, even though it's kind of awkward. So the reason I have been away for a couple of weeks is because I will no longer be getting married in uh, October, as was the original plan. And, and that's okay. You know, things happen in life. It's, you know, it's perfectly amicable and nothing nothing untoward has happened. It's just, it's just not going to happen. And so we are using this time instead to put together a tour, uh, a national tour. Uh, we've had the benefit of lots of people inviting us to go and speak to their local groups. Um, <laughs> Confucius Institutes. Yeah. Um, we'll be doing a tour of Beijing. We'll be going to the Belfer Center. <laughs> <laughs> no, but I mean, it's, it's been really amazing to see how many people want us to go and, and, and talk to their groups. And so that's what we're going to be doing over the next couple of months, getting out of this hellhole that is Washington, D.C. And, and coming to a town near you. Um, so that's very exciting. And, and keep an eye out on our social media feeds for links to these events and things that we're going to be doing over the next couple of months. Um, and, and probably longer as well. And, uh, you know, I think I think one of the things that is really important off the back of all of that, uh, I was talking to somebody who I was arranging an event up in uh, Oregon with today, and um, he was saying, you know, do we do we uh, want to put Natalie on the bill or do we want her to be like uh, a surprise feature of this event and all of that? And I said, no, look, it's probably best to have like both of us on the headline. I don't think it's fair to just have like, you know, Raheem Kassam speaks to this audience. And by the way, here's my little munchkin who's come along with me. Um, so, you know, my little dwarf, I just put you on the stage. I'm sit, not short. Sit you on the stage. Well, you're like Fine. an inch shorter than me. I'll wear my Gucci wedges and I'll be taller than you. Well, what if I wear my Gucci wedges? All right. Um, so that's what we're going to be doing, and I'm excited about it. Anything to add on to that? Yes. Go on. I, and you, I hope you. I might. We'll be in Tennessee. Yeah. On July 28th. Yeah. In Loudoun. Okay. So you should come. I have all, well, you, a, you should come. Is there a link? Yeah, go to my Twitter and okay. you'll you'll find. Is it on your getter as well? It actually is. Well, there you and go. And it's on my Facebook. And, Facebook. and it's on my Instagram. Okay. Well, there you go. We're going to be looking Full for it. Full spectrum dominance. dominance. <laughs> I will um, I will retweet that right now so that people uh, people can see it on, uh, on all sorts of- Speaking of trips. Oh, what? Hold on. Can we talk about the National Urban League? <laughs> oh, I don't even know what this is. <laughs> You've broken a story without me. <laughs> okay. This definitely warrants a longer story. There's a podcast, but I'll, I'll tease it very briefly. Well, hang on. Okay, yes. wait. Do we do we want to do that now? Because it probably needs quite a lot. Or do okay. we want to do we want to tease Alan Duke? Oh, because it's only one or the other. This is like the hardest decision I've ever had. Um, okay, we can tease Alan Duke because yeah. that's time. 
I think let's save the thing for the next podcast. But Critical Race Theory, CCP. Oh, for sure. It's amazing. For sure. Read the story. But yes, we'll do that. So um, I guess it was, what was it, two and a half weeks ago now that the... um, The day that changed the world forever. The the, (laughs) um, inimitable Alan Duke, only in the sense that nobody would want to imitate him, uh, came onto the war room. And credit to him for doing so and credit to him for, for... Big credit. I Taking think his lumps cool. on repeat over multiple segments, right? Um, but you said something on air. Oh, no. You said something on air and he took umbrage with it. And, you know, there was a lot of sort of crosstalk in that moment. And, and, I, and so I wanted to make sure that we got a chance to clarify this. So he says, Alan Duke, who is the editor-in-chief of the uh, CCP-linked fact-checker called Lead Stories... The now, admittedly CCP link. Right. We can add that now. TikTok. Um, they can, they are, have a huge contract Byte, yeah. with Facebook. Sorry, yeah, ByteDance. Um, they uh, are kind of half-based in Belgium. I mean, this is, this is one of the weirdest operations I've ever heard of. They've got a website that was built in 1995 on GeoCities. Uh, you don't even know what that is. Yeah, no. <laughs> Homestead? No. No. Um, and he, you said that they employ Democrats. And he did not like that. And he's like, well, that ain't true. That's my impression of Alan Duke. That's pretty good. Yeah. Is it true? Yes, Alan. Prove it. Please. It's true. This is the one thing that it's not even National Pulse conspiracy. Just go to Effie. Wait, hold on. As if there is National Pulse yeah. conspiracy. I mean, well, like, we do run a lot of alien stuff lately. Yeah, no, that is very true. But, but, Alan, I think you're you're a nice guy, and I don't think that's true, by the way. Well, besides the fact that you threatened to come visit me and my family <laughs> in California, <laughs> yeah. I don't know apart what you from want. that, you're a nice but guy. Apart, no, no, I I think okay, I will. Yes. Anyways, <laughs> go on. FEC.gov, mm-hmm. the Federal Election Commission. You have an individual. Who works for you? Her name is Alexis Therese Kuk. We're going to go with that. T-E-R-E-S-Z-C-U-K. She is a fact checker for you. Again, let me remind you. I think that's Tereshuk. Tereshuk. Okay, we'll go with that. Let me remind you. Alan Duke's thesis is that, quote, like, I do not employ Democratic donors. He tweeted that at you. He did. Okay. When you put her name into FEC.gov. And it's not a common name. It's not a common name, and you can see that she used to work for Radar Online, which mm-hmm. her bio says. Yep, so same person. So I'm willing to stick my neck out if there is another Alexis Terrestrial, whatever, who also works for Radar Online in the same years that she says she did on her bio, who has donated four times to Democrats, including Hillary twice. We also have an Act Blue and another two Democratic congressmen. And I would also add, Alan, that Perry Sanders who, again, you allege... That's his chairman yes, of his organization. Is who you say, he's not political. He right. just hates hypocrisy, right. which I point out that your organization won an award for COVID-19 fact-checking. Yeah. Uh, but okay, yeah. besides the point, uh, he's donated 11 times. Again, this is FEC.gov. All of them have gone to Democrats, including two to Joe Biden, three to Hillary Clinton, and two to Obama and then other random Democratic candidates. And just for the last time, you say John Southers, who was a candidate for mayor down in Colorado. You say Perry Sanders, though you don't provide any evidence uh, that he, that Perry Sanders once donated to him. Yep. But first of all, it wasn't even a partisan race. Right, so that's impossible. Race. But I'm going to go even a step further than that okay. because this individual is barely Republican. If even, quote, okay. John Southers, I did not support Trump in the primary. No questions about it. The president and I have a whole different view towards government. Let me just put it that way. So, Alan, even if we take you using the term Republican, which, again, there's a lot of distinction in that term, right? I wouldn't say just because you employ a former Mitt Romney staffer that you're going to be fair to Donald Trump on your website. No matter what meaning you attribute to the word Republican, Mm -hmm. you have no one who is affiliated from what, what, what we can tell and from what you have shown us on your staff. And if you want to get into our other smoking gun, I'm happy to bring that up too. Uh, what do you think? Do you think we should save it? Or do you think we should... Uh, what do you think? I'm going to save it. 
I think we should save it. Let's say it. Give people a reason to Let tune into the Let me say, it's all archived, so we could bring it up, but I don't think... Uh, but let's give people a reason to yeah. tune into the War Room on Tuesday. See and, the graphics I made. And we'll cover it. Uh, we'll cover it on here again later in the week as well. Um, all right. Well, I think, I mean, you know, I kind of even want to try and push back against that. But but you can't. When you have this person who has tweeted so many things at Democrats, who has donated to Democrats, and then Alan Duke goes on national television and says, my staff aren't Democrats and they're not Democrat donors. That is the 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 fact checker of Facebook lying, and I think here's what we have to do at this point, because he is lying so brazenly. Um, I think we have to package that up, send it to Facebook PR for comment, because you can't have like all of our like fun with Alan Duke aside, right? You simply cannot have Facebook a Facebook fact checker going up and and just lying wantonly on national. He, I understand that he can abuse his position over there because that's kind of what they pay him to do. <laughs> But you can't go on national television and lie like that and remain in a job that requires, you know, being a fact checker, if such a thing can even exist, requires you to be untouchably honest, just completely and totally, you know, people should know your waist size if you're if you claim to be a a completely transparent uh, uh, fact checker. And, And Alan Duke has proved himself now time and time again, while he is more than willing to be smacked around by a girl on national television, sorry, a lady, on national television. <laughs> no, no, girl makes it sound better. Okay. Well, I thought so, but, you know, people get a sensitive child. about that stuff. Yeah, a child <laughs> on national television. Um, it still doesn't excuse you for, for, for lying, and that's that's what he's, uh, seems to be what he's actually, like, I say best at, he's worse at, but, like, he's still, he does that more than anything else, right? Like that's that seems to be his thing is to go out there and lie, and uh, hopefully we'll get another chance uh, to hold him to account. I hope so too. Say goodbye. Goodbye. <laughs> and that brings us to the end. That was the weirdest. But I want to thank everybody who has been um, contributing and supporting Real News over the past couple of weeks. Like Susan and William and Lisa and Jerry, or Jerry, and Cynthia, Robert, Maureen, Nancy, Ronnie, Ronald, Lori, Amy, Andrew, Todd, Gina, Debbie, April, Donald, Shannon, Tyler, uh, Bernie, Carleen, Farhad, Elizabeth, Christopher, Michael, KD, Christopher again, Scott, Gregory, John, Connie, Catherine, Davidson, Robert, Frank, Catherine, Ruth, Jim, Karen, Christina, Carrie, Linda, David, Don, Danny, Matthew, Mark, Gordon, Valerie, Thomas, Beatrice, Joshua, Susan, Kimberly, Patricia, George, Donna, Ginger, and Brad. Thank you so much for your support. Fundrealnews.com and make sure that you are subscribed. Go on our website, subscribe to our newsletter. Go on your podcast platform of choice and subscribe and share this show with somebody else. And guess what? Go on another podcast platform and subscribe on there as well. I always say you never know which one we're going to get kicked off next. So make sure you've got a backup. And uh, happy Monday. We'll be back again later on this week. And uh, I'm going to be packing all this equipment up so that we can take it on our travels when we do podcasts from the road. Oh, I've got stuff to tell you. I haven't told you yet, Natalie. Stick around. Be back in a couple of days. Have a great day.